Hello. This is Jenny and Marcus. No stuff. Yeah, Steph- she's on vacation. She left us. Again. One of our most busiest weeks ever. Yeah. Thanks, Steph. Hope you're enjoying the shores of Lake Michigan right now in the it's dead like of winter. 50 degrees. It probably feels like a vacation. Maybe. Anyway, so Steph isn't here, but we are, Marcus and I are here just to quickly tell you that um, today's episode is going to be a rerun. We had decided to take off for the holidays and play you one of our favorites. Um, It's the holiday season. Yeah, exactly. So we all decided to give ourselves a break um, and not stress too much. And so this week's episode, we thought because of the, some of you may know about um, the whole debacle that we have publicly or gone public about um the debacle and then subsequent immediate response by like the entire internet to be like we'll help these which was small insane. business owners out insane i mean i can i'm still in disbelief um it was a it was an extreme high all of this all of this uh positive words of encouragement and sales and the thing just blew up and went crazy and then we kind of had a lull in our emotions where everything kind of crashed with people on the internet saying all sorts of things that they were giving us way more credit than we yeah. could ever. We are yeah. not smart enough for any of the credit they were trying to give us. Yeah. And then there was so many people that were like, these guys are fake. They know how to make things go viral. And then there were people that were like, these guys are idiots and you know they don't know shit. And... I think I identify more with like the latter. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I definitely probably feel more like the latter at this point. <laughs> you know, one we, there are some comments like, you know, if they'd gone to business school, I'm like, if I would have graduated high school, right. like, let's, let's just, just start, start there. there. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, um, but no, no, you know what? We are we're big time now. Like we know how to go viral. We've done it. We're just gonna keep it in our back pocket and never do it again. The funniest because we can't. Not because we can't, but just because we don't want to. The funniest part about the go like us planning on going viral part was that Marcus literally said to us before we got this coffee back. He's like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna post it and we gotta get this thing to go viral. And I was like, Marcus, there's literally no way that you can go viral. It's like winning the lottery. Like that is not going to happen. I like specifically said exactly what would happen would not happen. Yeah, but because I that it. doesn't happen to us. No, I knew. I knew you happen. You planned it with your vibes yep. you know what you did plan to go viral i did you set one of those like intention things that people talk about doing this is what i said it's like you know you just do these three things and then boom you go viral and you didn't believe me yeah i and mean here we are anyways yeah. yeah i mean honestly i didn't think that whole post or anything would get past friends and family and if anybody else wants to go viral for the low low price of a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> you can just send me a text <laughs> and I, I will share with you the secrets to going viral. That's my new, that's my new business. <laughs> You're going to become a grifter now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm start a spin-off podcast. Called Grift. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, anyway, so, but, yeah, it's been a wild ride. We are so, so grateful. Everything um, is like, I can't. It's been amazing. It's been amazing. We Thank have, you so much to everybody. We have... I think 350-ish cases of decaf left. 
Um, that's an amazing deal. It's 50% off of a case. On our website. Um, on our website. It's www.modest.coffee. Um, you can also Google Modest Coffee. will pop right up. What we decided to do, because we had so much decaf left, this was my bread idea. So I'm really excited that I came up with it. And going through all of our past episodes, I my eyes landed upon the history of decaf. And that was such a good episode when you did it, Marcus. It was really fun. Me and Steph learned so much. Even people who weren't decaf drinkers were reaching out to us to tell us how like interesting and cool that was. You know, we're it's tie-in marketing mm-hmm. right now. And, you know, we're extracting value out of content we already created. You know, we're just going to start. This is going to be a business podcast. Steph doesn't know it yet. We're just going to switch to, and we'll call it Grift. You know I what? I love that name. The point of what I'm saying is try to have some compassion. Try to give no bad reviews, even to the haters. Yeah. Right? And don't feed no. the trolls. You know what? I take that back. I do give a bad review to them, but I still feel in my heart. That's the lesson here. Don't feed the troll. Yeah. Great episode lined up for you guys. So much fun learning about decaf and what makes them all special. And um, we do a tasting and... Of three different types um, of decaf. Yeah. So this is a fun episode. We were all surprised, I'd like to say, by which ones we thought were... We, the, what we thought was going to be the best and what ended up being the best. Yeah. And if um, you're feeling like you want to stack up on a little bit of decaf for half price, it's uh, the fire sale on our website. Yeah, you can't miss it. Just go online. You know, it's all over the internet. Just like Teresa always says, go Google it. Just go Google it. Um, so anyways, so, yeah. thank we you. We love you. We love Steph. She will be back for our regularly scheduled podcast in two weeks. Yeah. We miss you, Steph. This is so sad, this empty chair. And so I also want to say Happy New Year to everybody. Mm -hmm. I hope you have a great 2023. Welcome to No Bad Reviews, colon, a coffee podcast. This is a podcast where three friends, co-workers, coffee industry professionals get together once every couple weeks, try a coffee, and commit to giving it no bad reviews. And we'll tell you something about coffee, if you're lucky, maybe. <laughs> Will we today? Yeah. Okay, cool. We're going to learn. We're going to learn? We're going to learn and consume. <laughs> Great. I'm Jenny. I run the operations at a coffee company called Modest Coffee. I'm Marcus, and I'm the Merkin Master. <laughs> <laughs> Your good food award-winning coffee roaster and expert today on our subject, which you had, we'll get into. I'll just go ahead and tell our listeners that you had to be there before we started recording where we were talking about Merkin bags as opposed to Birkin bags. We don't need to get into details. And Marcus <laughs> apparently is a, an expert in Merkins. No. Just a master. <laughs> Google it. Oh, God. Don't, don't, don't Google it. <laughs> don't do it on comp- company computers. It's gonna... a two, I'll just tell you guys, it's a toupee for your crotch. I don't, I don't know who needs a toupee <laughs> for their crotch. I have the opposite problem. <laughs> <laughs> are we are we airing all this? this My is name the is Stephanie, episode. and uh... <laughs> <laughs> she can make a merkin. <laughs> My name is Stephanie, and I'm the modest coffee babe of the month, and I'm thrilled to be here. I guess. <laughs>
In hair case and all. <laughs> That's what makes you a babe at Modest Coffee. It's not your smoking bod, it's your smoking crutch. <laughs> Hi, if you're still listening. Thanks. This is what happens when we only get together once every two weeks. I guess so. It gets a little crazy, I guess. <laughs> right out the gate. Yeah. Well, that's how this week's episode's going to go, maybe. We'll find out. I guess I'll just get the business out of the way first. We have mystery boxes on our website. Just $10. That includes shipping. Uh, you can get 10 cups worth of coffee. A myriad of things from past episodes. There will be some questionable coffees in there. There will be some excellent coffees in there. We I think know. I saw like one, at least one ready to go. Well, Steph's been preparing them. You probably saw it on its way out. Um, okay. We've had people buying them. That's really fun. Cool. And so if you want to like be here with us and like experience what we've experienced, <laughs> go ahead to our website under the store tab and you can get yourself one of those. It's a really great deal. Also, in that same tab, we have merch where you can like dress in really cool, no bad review stuff. Oh, about those bike shorts. Oh. Those are tight as fuck. Yeah. You I, warned me. Uh-huh. But I didn't take it into account enough. Yeah. Yes, definitely order a size up. Oh. I would say with bike shorts and the leggings, go two mm. sizes up. Because they're both like, both on the small side. Very tight. Yeah. 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 I For like sure. that, so I size <laughs> appropriate. I like that on you, too. <laughs> Uh, your Merkin area looks awesome in those shorts. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, also, we have a Patreon. On Patreon, we still release weekly episodes. It starts at just four bucks a month, so it's actually like a really good deal. You get four extra episodes per month. Those are Love It or Leave It's, where we try all sorts of different products, and we tell you our unfiltered opinion on them. Oh, and last week's... That was so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I that was, was a fun one. So hard. That was a fun episode. Uh, we tried air roasted coffee. And uh, doesn't sound like it'd be fun, but that was still fun. That was um, funny. Yeah. Took a biblical hard left. That was great. Yeah. Um, And then also at the higher levels, you can get our episodes released early so you can get access to those. And then also at the highest level, you'll get a present. Uh, three times a year for our birthdays, we'll send you something fun. So there's some like cool stuff on Patreon that we recommend you go check out. Also, um, you can support us on buymeacoffee.com slash nobadreviewspod. Oh, that's where Patreon is too, patreon.com slash nobadreviewspod. So I think that's all the, the money stuff. Is we it time to make to the clarifications then? I think so. Time. I have a couple of clarifications from the last episode, the um, Paps Blue Ribbon hard coffee episode. There were just a couple of things I wanted to talk about a little more. I really wanted to understand how Captain Paps sold his commission. Oh, like, yeah. You can become a captain two ways. You can work your way up, which Captain Paps did starting at age 14 as a deckhand, or you can just buy the title. Hmm. Mm. Huh. Still? Oh, good question. Stay tuned next week. I thought this was a clarification. Um, Okay, so he sold his commission and got at least like $21,000 is what he spent to buy half of that brewery. Yeah. So $21,000 in 1862 is $750,000 today. Damn, so he probably got at least a million dollars, I would say, because he probably didn't take all the money and put it into the business. He probably kept some for himself. I would think so... 
I mean, that seems like too much just for a title. Mm-hmm. Like, you can get a free title in Kentucky. Why would you pay $750,000? Right. I bet so it includes some, the boat. Yeah, the boat and the commission. I, right? It's a boat and the, and the route. Like, yeah. it, it's like a turnkey business, yeah. right? Yeah, is what I'm what thinking. I think it's a sea business for sure. Right. So, um, not to while be confused I was... with a sea biscuit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what is a sea biscuit? That's a horse. I mean, is it anything else? It's nothing to do with the sea. Could it also be a cookie? Uh, I think it's just a horse. I was thinking maybe it was like a crustacean. A crustacean? <laughs> Love it. Um, I did find out in doing that research that today, like right now, a deckhand on a Great Lakes commercial freighter makes like 60 grand a season, which no is shit. only six months. The season is only six months. Marcus has always talked about how he wants to be like a seaman, yeah. a deckhand. Honestly. It's a little out of context, but sure. It might be time <laughs> to like give up the coffee business. And ju- we could do the podcast from the boat and then we could just roast coffee the other six months of the year. I've I mean, been saying this. This is sounding kind of fun. Seven minutes. And you just (laughs) (laughs) and to just like troll around on the shores of Lake Michigan. Yeah. I mean, you stop off at like Milwaukee. You stop (laughs) off at Green Bay. Uh, Sheboygan. Sheboygan. Head on over to Traverse City. Yeah. I mean, sounds like the life, right? This is like this is my summer, anyways, and I'm not getting paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, there's an idea for us. I guess this sounds kind of fun. I'd love to. You don't even have to go that far, which is nice. I know. And there's no like this is what I like about Lake Michigan is that like if you get lost at sea, you're probably going to wash up on shore pretty quickly. (laughs) No, not in Lake Michigan. It kills everybody that gets lost. Let me tell you about the story I heard of the guy, the fisherman, the one who like got lost at sea for 430 days and went from Mexico. Lake Michigan? No, no. Okay. From From Mexico to the Marshall Islands, lost at sea for 400 days. That's not happening to you on Lake Michigan. No, you're, you're gonna just wash going to sink. You're sinking. I could survive Lake Michigan. You're going to wash ashore pretty quickly. And that's what I like about Lake Michigan. You're not going to be lost for 400 there days. There you go. That's facts, guys. You will not die on Lake Michigan <laughs> if you get lost. No, I didn't you heard say it here that. First. I said you would wash up on shore in oh, less than 400 days. Probably dead. <laughs> All right. I think we're clarified. <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to do this next summer. Cool. Okay. Great. All right, cool. Also, we should eat more Velveeta. Oh. No, we should not. Uh, but that's my next clarification. We were talking about, like, what during Prohibition, Pabst made Pabstet, which mm-hmm. is a product that is basically identical to Velveeta. And none of us were real clear on what's actually in Velveeta. So mm. I looked that up. Okay, tell us. I was um, going to guess microplastics, but... <laughs> <laughs> Based on your reaction, I think Um, I'm wrong. They don't list that in the ingredients. (laughs) It does contain milk because Jenny was like, is there even dairy in Velveeta? (laughs) There is dairy in Velveeta. Velveeta was invented in 1923, and here's why. There was a Swiss cheese factory in Pennsylvania, and they made like the big wheels of Swiss cheese. And sometimes the wheel would break. Like it would 
be dropped or something would happen and it would crack and then it was useless. They'd have to throw it away or give it away. They couldn't sell it. Because it wasn't cheese yet? <clears throat> it, was che- it was cheese, but then it had been like exposed to the air and it, nobody mm. wanted to buy like a broken wheel of cheese. Okay. So this guy, Emil Frey, who worked at the factory or maybe owned the factory, I don't know, he came up with this idea to take this broken cheese and like crumble it up into little bits and mix it with whey. And whey is like a waste product from cheese making. And that's how he made Velveeta, this Hmm. like melting cheese. So it did contain cheese and whey, and there wasn't much more to it at the beginning. That's not so bad, actually. Yeah, no, it wasn't. And it just, it was like mostly cheese, and it melted easily and... It was like a great way to take two waste products and turn it into like an affordable. Interesting. Fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. Kraft (laughs) bought it in 1927. And as time went on, I assume probably in the like 1950s era when food really changed quite a bit, Mm -hmm. um, they took the cheese out and just left whey. (laughs) So it's whey and milk protein and preservatives and coloring agents oh, okay. that sounds it. disgusting i mean i don't think that whey is bad and actually whey is really healthy it just it's kind of flavorless so i've made my own cheese before mm-hmm. so i know like what whey is mm-hmm. and to get it from like where it's whey to where it's Velveeta, like those are really far it's like a really long path from one to the other and that's what i'm creeped out by it's because it's kind like addition of the milk protein like so where probably... is like what are you adding to like get it to that color, that consistency, and that flavor. So there are coloring agents, and I assume the milk protein has a thickening. Yeah. Yeah. But whey is so Anato. clear, mm-hmm. and then Anato, right? Yeah. And then Velveeta, and then to get it to shelf stable, everything about yeah, that's the shelf weird. stable part is weird for yeah. sure. In two thousand two, the FDA said they couldn't call Velveeta a cheese spread anymore hmm. since there was no cheese in it. And so that's when they started calling it a pasteurized prepared cheese product. Okay. Which still has the word cheese in it. I know. But I guess cheese spread makes it sound like it's actual cheese. Right. Whereas cheese product leaves it a little more ambiguous. Yeah. (laughs) Cheese-like product. That's what I think would be the best. Mm -hmm. So that's the story of Velveeta. Huh. Still makes some great mac and cheese, though. Yes. I mean, it has its uses, I guess. And then I think this part of the conversation actually got edited out of the episode, but we had a brief conversation about why do Germans make all the beer? We talked about, you know, Wisconsin was 30% German in the mid-1800s, and Wisconsin and Chicago were the big beer brewing places. And why did so many Germans come to this part of the country? And why are they the ones brewing beer? Brief history of beer. I'll try to keep this quick. Okay, great. (laughs) It probably should have been in the episode, but the hard coffee wasn't really beer, so I didn't really look into beer. Mm. But then when I listened to the episode, I felt like there was a gaping hole where beer history should be. Yeah. So really briefly, the reason there were so many Germans in this part of the country is that when there was a mass exodus from Germany, this just happened to be where the frontier was. Oh. This was just where the line was, where they were giving away land. Yeah, or, huh. the interesting. Line of demarcation. Huh. Yes. Hmm. All right. So fermented drinks have been around since the dawn of agriculture. Like that's how far back that goes. Egyptians. Obviously, people. Yes, yes. Yeah. But even before that, like twelve thousand years ago, like when people first started planting. People think of history starting 12,000 years ago. and But I would also argue that that's just like when we have records of it. That's I would true. have to imagine that 
These practices have probably been going on even longer. So fermented drinks probably date back even further. I would further. say probably That's even further, point. yeah. They used to drink beer with straws huh. because there was so much sediment. That's disgusting. It was a way to avoid... That makes I've sense. I've had sediments in beer, yeah. and that makes sense, but it's gross. Yeah, ancient Egyptians loved beer. They were paid in beer. But um, historically, beer didn't have a high alcohol content. It was very, very low in alcohol, and it was a way to produce a, a drink that wouldn't kill you because so much of the water was not potable. And it was also filling, liquid bread. Mm-hmm. So if there wasn't enough food, it was a good way to fill yourself up. So these fermented drinks were everywhere. There was a mead in China made of rice and honey and fruit at least 7,000 years ago. They have evidence of that. But it wasn't until the 1500s in Germany when they started putting hops in beer. Mm. And that's when it started tasting like what we would consider beer. In 1516, there was a German beer purity law that's still on the books today. Wow. And it said that you had to use barley because previously they were using barley, spelt, wheat, rice, whatever they had. Whatever they had. Yeah, I was just going to say. So Germany made this law. It has to be barley and it has to be, you have to add hops in order to call it beer. Hmm. Is that all beers? No, because there's like wheat beers and stuff. German beer. Just German beers. That's, yeah. And they also, in Germany, in the 19th century, began to understand that different strains of yeast gave Mm. beer different flavors. And so they started to isolate different strains of yeast. And then they had varieties of beer, pilsners and bachs and exports and all that. So Germany was the largest brewer of beer from 1500 until the 1980s. Like that whole... Wow. Yeah. For like <gasps> four or five hundred years. Space. Yeah. 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 Wow. So this is why so many German oh. people, so many breweries were run by German people, so many brewers were German, is because this is where it was all happening. So Germany's literally not even tens that- of thousands of years, history, people, knowledge sharing, all to culminate to make hard fucking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> the pinnacle of human knowledge. Put that shit in a can. Yeah, you know what? I'm glad that didn't make it into the last. We've regressed. We've regressed. That's what that means. What is it? Well, it's like you hit the. It's like when you're going up a mountain, you hit the peak, and eventually you got to go back down. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we're, we're Look what America has done to beer. It's so right. you know sad. what? That's the American way. Mm. Well. Are you guys excited to learn about today's episode? I am excited. We are doing decaf. A coffee nerd episode. It's Marcus's decaf episode. We have people who have asked us about decaf. I'm a decaf drinker. You are. I am because I've got these weird blood sugar issues and caffeinated coffee makes my blood sugar go low, Mm. which is kind of strange. When we started Modest Coffee, we did not have a decaf. And then shortly after we started... You started having these weird reactions to caffeine. I've always had the weird reactions, so, but I'll tell you what happened. We had our third child, and we had three children under the age of three. Oh, God. And I could not function without coffee. And I was not a huge coffee drinker until I had the three kids. And then... And then you tasked me with finding a good decaf. Yeah. You were like, find a good decaf, because most decaf sucks. Well, it was more than that. It was like, find a way to roast decaf. Because even your roast style of decaf was not good at first. Yeah. I want to say that most people, coffee roasters, don't want to devote the time to decaf. And I would like to say I'm very proud of myself because 
Marcus was also dismissive of decaf in the very beginning, and I had to start experimenting with the roasting of the decaf. Once I, it was really funny because once I started experimenting on my own and like doing different things and trying things, then Marcus was all of a sudden, he was like, wait a second, what? No, he got kind of protective of it. And then he was like, well, fine, I'll jump in and I'll help you with this, which was great because then we were able to really perfect yeah. the, the way of roasting decaf because it's really a challenge. And I call that like the Uncle Ben style because it was like this instant rice. And you, I, you had this idea, you were like, well, it's already like pre-cooked. So what if we were to, you know, how do we incorporate that into like the heat element? Not to get too nerdy on like the roasting stuff, but like I feel like that was sort of a major breakthrough in like uh, how we approached roasting the coffee was like coming from the assumption that it was already kind of partially cooked. Mm -hmm. I think that's where it all changed for us. So I dug into the history of decaf for this episode and I actually learned there's a pretty rich history here and it's, I'm really excited too because it does tie back to Nazi Germany. <gasps> so, um, I, oh, we love a good Nazi story love around a good here. Nazi story. I actually wrote that down in my notes. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I want to, sp- I want to clarify though that we don't love Nazis. No, no. we no. just we find that time period to be interesting. Yeah. And, Fascinating. fascinating. And it's yeah. just, I think a lot of people are fascinated by World War II history. Yeah. That's true. And it seems to keep coming up on the podcast, like for some reason, Nazis and coffee yeah. go yeah. hand in hand. They do. Yeah. So we're going to take it all the way back to 1900. There's a 26-year-old gentleman by the name of Ludwig Roselius. He was a coffee roasting apprentice, you know, just kind of doing his thing. And his father started to have health decline. Two years later, his dad died. Mm. 1902. Oh, no. The cause of death, his physician said, the amount of coffee his old man consumed every day. Oh, my gosh. Is Do you know how much he was drinking? Yeah, that's got to be a lot. It What's was like three cups dosed? a day. It Uh-oh. wasn't even like that. Look out, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like Yikes. all the physicians back then. It's like, you know, yeah, ghosts in his blood. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, this one was caffeine. So the physician, hey, you know, it's coffee. Um, but that stuck with Ludwig. And from that point on, viewed caffeine, particularly caffeine, because they just discovered caffeine and coffee mm. like 20 or 30 years prior to that. And he felt like that was a poison, and he dedicated his life to finding a way to remove caffeine from coffee beans. Huh. They kind of had a thing against everything except cocaine back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just feed the ghosts in your blood some cocaine, and you'll be fine. His first breakthrough happened one year later, and he actually received a shipment of coffee, and it was soaked. It was like waterlogged. It fell off the boat, and it was soaked in seawater, and... They were like, okay, we'll try and roast it or whatever. And it tasted salty, but the flavor otherwise was like, okay, but it had noticeably less caffeine in it. And so that started out like the experimentation for like decaffeinating coffee. They say that you should mix a little salt in with your coffee if you want to cancel out the bitter. Maybe this was some like really excellent coffee. Let's right. try. We'll get some seawater and we'll soak <laughs> our beans in it. We'll try our own decaffeination process. We are 4,000 miles away from any seawater. <laughs> <laughs> what would we call this? Saltwater decaffeination. We're coming for you, Swiss water. Yeah. Um, so the funny thing is he developed this technique of then purposefully, intentionally washing green coffee with salt water and then rinsing it in a little chemical called benzene. You guys hear about benzene? You know what benzene is? I think is? that's a bad one. It's a, it's a bad one? Thing. I don't it's know a bad what one. benzene 
Uh, like I've heard of it. Yeah, it's not. It's not a good one. It's like paint stripper. Oh, you know yeah. that kind of. I think stuff. it's funny that he's like trying to like not kill himself with caffeine by adding benzene to his <laughs> coffee. <Yeah. laughs> well, this shows up later. So he patented this process in 1905 and was awarded this patent. And then by 1906, he created the Cafe Hag, so K A F F E H A G Coffee Company in Germany. Um, I like that, like, coffee hag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's, like, three different names of, like, his partners, and that's coffee hag. And people were like, sure. When we start our women-owned coffee company together, stuff, we're going to call it coffee hag. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> By 1912, he was selling it across Europe as a luxury brand item. You guys know what the name of the luxury brand that he created? Uh, it started in France. And Balenciaga. Kind of out there. Close. So close. <laughs> little coffee called Sanka. No way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the original decaf. Whoa. Is Sanka all decaf right now? Uh huh. Okay. Still is. And it's French for sans caffeine. Oh. Huh. Yeah. And that was the luxury brand, huh? Mm hmm. My, how things change. <laughs> um, this guy was really like smart with marketing. He claimed that the decaf. Um, would protect the heart and the nervous system. By 1923, he was selling his coffee internationally and started gaining popularity in the United States. And that's hmm. when the FDA stepped in and said, stop putting fucking benzene in your coffee. That was about <laughs> 10 years later. So, uh, <laughs> um, oh another thing was happening in the uh, 1920s um, and that uh, there was a young political leader starting in Germany, kind of gaining popularity. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, this guy was back in Germany, too, huh? Yeah. Everything. Um, this episode traces back to Germany. You all guys roads. Might, have, might have heard of uh, a Me. little guy called uh, Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. In the guy. 20s, him and the owner of Cafe Hag, um, I guess, like, met privately. He was trying to support, like, uh. him early on, just early on. This is before all the Holocaust and, like, the race, you know, th- things started happening so very early and he was a christian conservative um sanka guy sanka guy was conservative nationalist Mm. um Mm. but was not like didn't fully support and actually he fell out of favor when the shit started to to hit the fan um but he did support him early on i don't know that you can be like i supported this like nationalist guy back in the day but I didn't think he would start exterminating people. Yeah. I just, I just liked him when he was just words. Well, the funny thing is, is like. I, I mean, like, the actions are a little extreme. Yeah. Well, he tried. Like, you still supported him and, like, the words. So it's like. He was an early, like, financial supporter of Adolf Hitler. Yeah. I mean, come and on. Then, just because you denounce somebody when they start doing terrible things doesn't mean that you like get excused from supporting the terrible things they were saying before they took the and it wasn't for lack of like he tried to join the nazi party twice but he got rejected both times because he was also a patron of the arts and he was rejected for specifically supporting degenerate art oh the gays Mm. and it was a little street it's like a cool street i guess i don't even know how to pronounce it We'll put it online, but it was a street in Germany that he was ex- he was supporting like brick building architectural art. It's like really kind of odd art, and he tried to like tie it to Hitler, and Hitler was like, "No, I'm not really cool with that art," and that's why he was not allowed into the Nazi Party. 
Damn. Mm-hmm. You kind of like, sorry, you like art. We won't take you. Yeah. He liked the wrong kind of art. Degenerate art, which oh. I'm, I'm sure that's a word for gay people. Gay. I'm sure it is. Mm-hmm. I wonder too if maybe it was just like edgier art as well. Like there had to be other kind of degenerates besides just gay people. <laughs> I mean, if you look at it, it's still now, art? it's like a protected like street. It's like a 300 meter street in Germany. Um, and there's like these awesome brick buildings that are all kind of like weird and funky and, and very like cool to look at. So um, it didn't stop him. Do from you want to try to pronounce it? Batterstrasch. <laughs> I think I nailed it. We have some listeners in Germany. Let yeah. us know. Even though he wasn't like admitted into the party as a fully fledged Nazi, it did not stop him from like promoting his own like caffeine is a poison agenda um, and cozying up to the Nazi party. And the funny thing is, is that like that really coincided with the Nazis' agenda for like health. There was this whole like Nazi propaganda of like don't drink alcohol, don't smoke tobacco, like get outdoors. You know, they had this like Nordic obsession with like Nordic old world, like getting outside and connecting with nature and like being healthy and caffeine was viewed by the Nazi party. They thought it was a poison too. So I don't know if that's coincidental or if it was like him like planting like marketing. But a little bad for drinking decaf right now. They adopted (laughs) this like drinking decaf was a way to preserve a healthy Aryan population. Hmm. So they were drinking his decaf at, like, all the fucking Nazi, like, state meetings. And eventually, decaf became, like, the official state coffee of, like, Germany. Man, the fucking Nazi party sounded lame AF. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Not only were they terrible, but they were also super lame. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, it got some help. The, The decaf got some help from that. But it was also still marketed as a luxury item. And so it still was, like, gaining popularity internationally and growing and and because he was never really like a fully fledged nazi when things started to go south he tried to distance himself with hitler and i think he ended up finding himself at odds with hitler in 1932 he, the cafe hag company started running ads saying that cafe hag uh was kosher huh and that quote anybody who drinks cafe hag is near and dear and important to us which political affiliation or creed he is for us is completely irrelevant. Mm. And they took out like full page ads in Germany to say that. I still don't like this. Like you don't, I'm I'm sorry, but you don't get to fucking support Hitler and then turn around and make your product kosher. I don't know. I don't like it. I I don't like it. Can you not start and be like, hey, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, I'm a little torn on this. I agree that it just sounds like a marketing tactic. But anyone who is, like, standing up to power publicly is helping, Yeah, right? I guess. Whether it's, like, for a good reason or not, it's helpful. Well, it could also be that know, they like, were, like, an international brand at this point, right? What they year were was selling this again? in America in 1932. I mean, he helped. The war hasn't even started at that point oh, yet. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I guess so he didn't actually, so all of these atrocities had not yet happened. Yeah, this was actually way before. Yeah, that's so he true. turned early. I kind of had my timeline screwed up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're we right. can, we're cool. Okay, we're cool. Okay, we're Officially, fine. no bad reviews is okay with Sanka. Go ahead. Okay, we're yeah. fine. <laughs> we're fine. We're fine. I take it all back. Um, 
But I do think it is kind of funny, though, that the Nazi party was like promoting decaf as a healthy alternative to poison and caffeine when they were literally poisoning themselves with benzene. <laughs> yeah. um, so in large doses, benzene causes fetal development issues, blood disorders, and cancer. That is kind of funny. <sighs> Not You know what? They should have drank a lot more decaf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did not drink enough. Um, after World War II, the health effects of benzene were apparent, and then Cafe Hag started trying multiple different types of organic solvents to, to finally settle on the one that's still used today, which is methylene chloride. That also um, still doesn't sound good. Another organic solvent that's used in, um, I think, also paint stripping. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, all, it's like a slightly less Um That's um, with like most decaf, right? Like the macro decaffeination. Yes. Usually it's this methylene chloride, right? Yeah. That's still the cheapest and um, what is claimed to be like the most effective way to decaffeinate coffee is using methylene chloride. And I guess, like, I'll just say today we're going to try a couple of different decaf methods that Marcus still has to talk about. Are we trying methylene? Yes. We we are? Yes. You had samples of that? I did. Uh-huh. I got some sent to us from one of our importers that, uh-huh. that had some. So there's a bit of a demonization of, like, using chemicals as, like, a decaffeination process. And a lot of that comes back to marketing efforts in the 80s by a company called Swiss Water. Mm. I would just like to say that we are a partner with Swiss Water. <laughs> yeah. We are like an official Swiss Water partner yeah. with so our coffee brand. We will word our criticism carefully then. <laughs> no, I think Swiss Water is great, actually. I really like it. Yeah. And they have like a whole thing of like, decaf before death which is i appreciate because there's like this whole like death before decaf mm. yeah like, i would drink slogan. decaf before dying for sure like <laughs> and swiss those water are my two options swiss uh. water turned it around to decaf before death and i was like thanks swiss water mm. um 1932 another thing happened general foods which was the owner of the maxwell house brand bought the instant decaf arm of Sanka in the United States. Okay. Oh, so that's now Maxwell House, eh? And now that was bought out and merged. No, I shouldn't say it was bought out. It was merged with Kraft Foods. So now it's Kraft General Foods. Don't okay. give away our um, our episode that we're going to do one day on Maxwell House. Okay. <laughs> they also own International Coffee, International Delight. You see mm. the creamer? Same company. Um, interesting thing, too, is that Sanka in the United States was this, like, bright orange like packet and branding they were so like that was decaf was this like orange people had such a high association that's even like with at it. the restaurant oh my god that, that's where it came from the orange little thing that that signifies decaf came from the sanka brand oh how funny if you see the orange you know it's decaf and that's all because sanka branded it orange did you ever work in a breakfast restaurant stuff? yeah me too yeah yeah, with the orange handle yeah. on uh-huh. all the coffee pots. The orange that's handle so interesting. comes from Sanka. Huh. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I could totally see you at some, like, divey breakfast diner. Kiss like, my grits. Like, hey, toots, oh, what you want? That's a fucking cool name for a divey de- breakfast diner. Did you work there, too? Is that another one? <laughs> what, kiss my grits? Yeah. Oh, no. That- <laughs> that's just what Steph's going to call it. <laughs> egg and I. And Sorry, we're having grits. a generation oh, yeah, gap again. Egg and I. Now I remember. <laughs> <laughs> there was a TV show called Alice about three waitresses who worked in a diner, Mel's Diner. 
And are you guys seriously looking at me like you don't remember this? I'm hanging on your words right now. Um, so one of the waitresses was this like sassy southern lady who always said, kiss my grits. I cannot <laughs> believe. I loved this show That's as a so kid. That's so cute. That needs, to be, that needs to be the name of a breakfast restaurant. I love that. I will open a breakfast restaurant called Kiss My Grits. You have to. Yeah. Okay. I'm not joking. Right. I, can I work for you? Yes. Okay. We're going to turn the tables. <laughs> It's going to be great. You're going to write my paychecks. Awesome. Finally. Yes. (laughs) So by 1981, Sanka or General Foods switched completely over from methylene chloride to ethyl acetate. Mm, Wait. slightly better. Ethyl acetate. Is that nail polish remover? Oh, that's a good point. It is a nail polish remover. That's a great, that's really good. So I thought the ethyl acetate was the sugar. Sugar cane process. Yeah. So ethyl acetate is a... Another solvent, but this one is like a much easier, um, quickly to evaporate like solvent. And it's made from combining ethanol with acetic acid, also known as vinegar. Okay. Oh, so it's like ethanol made from sugar, like the sugar canes, right? Yeah. And then they mix it with vinegar? Super popular in in Colombia. So in the South American region, most of the coffee from that's ethyl acetate decaffeinated is done in South America because they have such a strong um, sugarcane like industry Mm, and they take the waste from that to make the alcohol they take some of that alcohol to make the vinegar and so it's like a low they're taking a waste byproduct and then they mix those two together distill it and then you end up with ethyl acetate which is this solvent that then gets worked into the same like wash rinse repeat cycle that decaffeinates the coffee that's really interesting gets pulled out um with ethyl acetate so is is that kind of like a a little bit more of like a environmentally friendly then because they're using waste products yeah Um, it's also used as a perfume carrier and it's got an it's a natural byproduct it gets produced in wine um because the alcohol mixes with the vinegar and also it's like a natural sort of process that gets created in the wild too so Um, i'm having i'm conflicted here i'm like i can't decide if ethyl acetate is good or bad because if it's a nail polish remover that's not so good as a former nail tech, I can tell you acetone is not good. It's not the same as acetone. Okay. Acetone is also a nail polish remover. Nail polish Anyways, remover. Anyways, any like nail polish remover is like my experience with nail polish removers is they're all pretty like chemically. Yeah. You know? But then if it's the byproduct of wine yeah, that I people mean, are consuming. Young wines, friend, like young table wines and things like that will have naturally occurring ethyl acetate in it. It just happens. Hmm. It's aroma is sweet um, and fruity. It smells like pears to a lot of people, and it leaves behind a pleasant aroma in the roasted beans. Some people claim that that's like a roast defect. I like ethyl acetate processed decaf. I think I like the fruitiness that it kind of leaves behind. I like our partnership with Swiss Water. Don't get me wrong. I also like and appreciate like a good sugarcane. Those coffees are those decafs are good though. They're so good, and they are. They're like roast. They roast easier. Like it seems like they. It's easier. I don't know. They they're good. I know. It's like they're they're very close to like a regular coffee. The sugar cane processed. Yeah, Mm. and the thing is about all of these. The argument that's made um, is that they're yes, you're using like even with methylene methylene chloride, um, is that they're chemical solvents that evaporate off. And then throughout the roasting process, like 
the heat, when you introduce the heat, like any residual chemical is going to be gone by the Mm -hmm. time it gets to your cup. So like, that's the argument that like everybody that's not Swiss water is making is like, it's totally safe. And the toxicity for ethylene or ethyl acetate, it's like so low, you know, like I said, it naturally occurs in some wines. So it's not like you're going to get sick um, in any normal circumstance. The ethyl acetate process was also patented in, in 1910 by a different Ludwig in Germany. <laughs> um, huh. This guy was Ludwig uh, Caesar, Caesar? I don't know. Um, but he patented his decaffeination process. He actually worked at a different, very large domestic goods um, company called Munich Food Company. It was actually the largest like domestic good importer exporter like servicing germany in the early 1900s and he eventually became one of their managing partners lots of decaf in germany Mm -hmm. yeah that's really interesting they'll give you a beer but they're gonna take the caffeine from your coffee yeah maybe they're just about chilling you know (laughs) just want you to relax but that doesn't seem like it goes with the German work ethic that yeah, we're familiar that's true. with. Uh-huh, so. uh-huh. Yeah, did they kick the brewers out? I'm wondering, like, because they were like anti-alcohol. Yeah, that's a good. We'll clarify oh. that next time. That's a good question. Right. How breweries were affected by the Nazis? They were hmm. like, just get the fuck out, and everybody moved to Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> um, incidentally, Ludwig's son, after, um, sorry, the second Ludwig, his son. Um, was executed by the Nazi party in 1945 for, quote-unquote, incitement to hatred and proximity to resistance. Mm. So he was, like, he was killed by the Nazi party for being anti-Nazi party mm. in 1945. That was, like, height yeah. of... Nazi... Yeah. Yep. Fucking... Uh, um, another little tidbit here. Munich Foods created the grain coffee substitute that eventually became known as caro c-a-r-o you guys ever see that that like corn coffee shit that you can still get at the grocery stores today it's owned by nestle no i don't hear about this? know about it this sounds like we're no. gonna have to have an episode yeah i've never heard of this it's like uh it's a yeah it's like a non-caffeinated grain coffee substitute so like a chicory type thing that corn. they're trying to do but i'm saying like yeah but corn but yeah yeah like, a chicory it's still popular in some like eastern european communities like you can get it in like obviously no caffeine yeah no caffeine oh that's so interesting i want to try it i want to try corn how are we illinoisans not drinking corn coffee fucking a right huh yeah Yeah, right yeah i can see this i can see like a corn flavored drink roasted being good yeah that doesn't sound bad to me actually because corn's a little sweet Mm -hmm. yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah. All that starchiness. I like this idea. Yeah. I think it sounds gross. <laughs> <laughs> so that no surprise. <laughs> brings us to Swiss water. That's mm. There's other like decaffeination methods, but these are like the really main popular ones that are done today. Um, well, let me just point out too, though. It's like water process. Swiss water is a brand that uses water to decaffeinate, but they're not the only ones. They're not. Right? So in 1933, they patented their version of decaffeination using only water. It wasn't until 19... Was it in Switzerland? It was in Switzerland. Okay, good. And that was a Coffex company, C-O-F-E-X company. And they started and built a facility in Vancouver, British Columbia in 1980. It took that long to become commercially viable. Hmm. Wow. Um, 50 in, years, huh? Yeah. There's still hope for us. Yeah. 
They're the only certified organic decaf facility in the world. Oh, wow. Oh. No caffeine or no uh, no chemicals. And uh, the process mixes water with green coffee, heats it under low pressure until the green coffee, the solubles in the green coffee mix with the water and it, it kind of becomes like equilibrium. And then the caffeine spreads out between the same amount of caffeine in the beans, same amount of caffeine oh, in the water. Interesting. They take the water out, they scrub it through charcoal and get the caffeine mm. out of that water and mix that water. Mars now that's decaffeinated back the in with the original quality, beans. Single origin for coffee without the like Pull it out. It takes they like take 14 the guesswork out of buying rinses. specialty huh, coffee so cool. to get 99.9% of the caffeine And sorting them to one of their teams based on cuppings. Do you guys know what they do with the caffeine? Oh, Flavor oh, notes wait, and roast levels. Yes. Go to www.mars.fm.com. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All the caffeine <laughs> to see what they're roasting drinks. Uh, pip, pip, comes cheerio. from the decaffeination process. Of only water process? No, of all, the all, of all of them, yeah. All the caffeine that's left over huh. is sold either as dietary supplements or to the soft drink industry. How do they get it out of the charcoal? Well, yeah. no, actually, I did look into Science. that. What they do is they then evaporate the water out, oh, and then the caffeine is left behind. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, that yep. makes sense. It's like yeah. a powder. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, baby. Look at this. We are learning all sorts of stuff. Look, I feel like all of our episodes are tying together right now. (laughs) It's like this is tying back to all of them. Monster energy and every Nazi episode we've ever done. (laughs) Yep. Awesome. There is some controversy Pabst. with Swiss water process. Uh, Jeremy, a na- uh, guy named Jerry Baldwin. You guys ever heard of this guy? I hadn't heard about him. He was the co-founder of Starbucks. He was their first oh. roaster. Wait, wait, wait. What was his name? Jerry Baldwin, co-founder huh. of Starbucks. He was their first coffee roaster, their first green coffee buyer. Wow. He wrote an article in 2009 for The Atlantic. He was making a case for methylene chloride. And he was like, <laughs> fuck Swiss water. He was like so mad at them for being like aggressively promoting their like anti-chemical. He, was, he felt it was unfair. He's like, because of the reasons that I mentioned earlier, of like if you care about the green coffee that comes in and you care about like the roasted coffee that comes out, his argument that methylene chloride was his favorite process. He felt like the cup quality from MC was better than the cup quality, at least in 2009, from SWP or Swiss Water Process. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that there is um, a place for all of it, right? Because there's people who are really not into chemicals. There are people who, like, are really into flavor. There are, there's, like, it seems to me like there's a processing method that kind of works for everyone. He just felt that their aggressively aggressive marketing like anti-chem <laughs> was like the reason why people thought it was bad is because Swiss water made it sound so bad like oh it's so bad these chemicals and he's like really not and it's it's like the decaf is pretty good. Starbucks is opposed to aggressive marketing. Yeah, right. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and he felt that they were still number 2. At you least know, in 2009, as far as cup quality. You know what? I'd like a fucking half calf. If you're going to decaf, the first step of water decaffeination, you're taking half the caffeine out and then half is in the water. Stop uh, there. Stop there. It's I want a half calf coffee. Jenny's perfect cup. Yeah. Yeah. Then I don't have to keep mixing coffees. Well, see, he said that. I want a half calf. In this article, he said Somebody. it costs about eight cents per pound to use methylene chloride versus the 40 cents per pound to do water. Maybe if it's just one rinse, 
goes down to like 20 cents and everybody's happy. <laughs> Wouldn't this be cool if you... Are, do they have half-calf beans out there? No, but they do have a new type of caffeine-free bean that they're trying to like... like it grows without caffeine and they're trying to... It's decaffeinado. Oh. I want to get my hands on some of that. You know, that makes yeah. sense for all the advancements in, you know, plant genealogy... Mm-hmm. I'm surprised they haven't already come up with a naturally decaffeinated bean. Yeah, I'm curious about this. Is it like bioengineered or are they just like no, selecting like for lower selective. calf? Yeah. Interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. They found a, like a weird hybrid that had very low caffeine and huh. they were now it gets still like it's probably still years out from actually being commercially viable, but it's it's a real thing. It's called decaffeinado. I'm That's still interesting. I'm still stuck on this half calf. I want to start a half calf coffee company. Well, we could really easily just mix full, like we. No, full no, calf that's not. That's <laughs> not. I want to make beans that are already half calf. You know, half calf beans, and then they're not as changed. I would have to imagine, so it's going to be easier to roast. All I can say is, whenever you try to make everybody happy, I'm not trying to make <laughs> everyone happy. Nobody's fucking happy. I'm trying to make me happy. Uh huh. Maybe you could do okay. a little water processing in your bathtub or something. Hey. Actually, it doesn't seem. I mean, if the, if they were able to do this shit in 1910, we could fucking do this in our we bathtub. Just need a little benzene or whatever. <laughs> right. Right. I'm just kidding. Probably do it with some methylene. And I want some of that decaffeinated grown coffee. Yeah. Um, my favorite quote during all of this research was from the public affairs guy at General Foods. His name was John Whitman. He said that <laughs> with Sanka, he said, we never promoted it as an appealing cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> he said, mainly targeted for old people who were just sensitive to caffeine. <laughs> and so with that, shall we brew some coffee? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So we're going to olfactory reveal. Olfactory reveal. Okay, what order do you want us to do this in, Where Marcus? We... Give us give us the first bag and tell us what it is. We're going to start in order of the story. Let's do it the methylene chloride first. Well, let me just, we have three bags. You sample roasted a little bit of each. So we've yes. got all three that we talked about today. Right. And so to keep it all fair i didn't roast anything like we would normally do i did our sample roast which for me is a pretty standardized set amount and it's all taken one minute past first crack and so they're all should be fairly same similar roast levels that i didn't put my hand on so to speak it's like a standardized roast okay um first we're going to start with the methylene chloride and then we're going to go to uh the ea coffee the s uh What's it? Ethylene acetate? Or no. Ethyl acetate. Ethyl acetate. Mm-hmm. Tate? Okay. Yeah. Not acetone. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Ethyl acetate. And then we're going to finish off with our current Timor Swiss water process. Okay. Great. Yep. Cool. This might be the first time I've ever tried decaf coffee of any kind. Oh, wow. I don't think I've ever had decaf before. I made half-calf for you last time. I have had half-calf 
because you forced me to drink it. Mm-hmm. But that's I have. Um, but I've never had like a cup of decaf. Huh. Yeah. Are these like popcorn popper roasted? Yes. Cool. All of them. Fun. So yeah. like the whole point in sample roasting is just to get a baseline idea. There is some science to it, and it's it's more. Eliminating the the variables, right? That's the control version. This is your control. So I can say, okay, all things being equal, how does this coffee compare to that coffee? You know what I'm saying? Try to minimize the variables so I know like what coffee I would want to bring in. Cool. Yeah. And so that's what we're getting. We're getting the control group coffee. This is the methylene, whatever. Chloride. Methylene chloride. I wonder if we can smell a difference. Hmm. The, I would say the methylene, whatever, smells worse than the ethyl. I couldn't tell if that was just in my head or not. They definitely smell different. The, that one, the ethylene, has way more aroma and smells more like coffee, whereas this uh, methylene does not. I agree that the coffee smell is stronger in this one. Yeah, for sure. And it smells like a good coffee. And then this one is the water process. Yeah. Let's see how this one smells. Yeah, I'm curious now. I was smelling that tea more the other day when I was bagging some coffee, and it smells really good, actually. Mm, I don't... I might... I think I like the smell of the middle one better, the um, mm. acetate one. I think I do, too. The sugarcane process... I'm just going to call it the sugarcane process, because that's how I know of it. Okay. Yes. Yeah, the ethylene smells the best out of all the, all the processing methods. Does country of origin matter here? Marcus says yes. Marcus is not in front of his microphone right now because he's he's brewing coffee for Steph and I. And he's very focused on getting that measurement exactly perfect. Yeah, so I'm not surprised that the EA or the sugarcane process is like the favorite because from what I was reading and also in personal experience, like that little kind of free, it's got a good pleasant aftertaste, oh, after oh, yeah. like smell. And right, you said fruity and yeah. sweet. Yeah. Yeah, so but just People in terms like that, it's pleasant. But just in terms of like coffee aroma, like I'm not even talking sweet or any sort of like picking up any like notes of cherry or something. Like it just has the most, sh- the strongest coffee okay. smell to it. Like and the other two smell like kind of muted, mm. whereas that middle one smells like coffee. And you know, they're all three different beans too. Like the M- uh, MC is from Mexico. The other one is from Timor. So you've got a you've got a different coffee, green coffee for each of them. Mm-hmm. The whole idea with like decaf is like um, the better the green that goes in, the better that it's going to taste in the cup. So yeah, there's like a the whole like movement right now, especially with like Swiss water, right? Of like bringing in really high quality green coffee to start with. Mm-hmm. That'll give you a better tasting cup in the end. Right. Um, but yeah, under Testros, that Columbia definitely is the winner. Yeah. Um, right. So let's start with the MC. All right, MC. Mm, I don't love the way it smells. I think it smells kind of nutty. I'm not getting much aroma at all. Yeah, me neither. It's just it's kind of flat. Yeah, I get a little bit of nuttiness to it. Can I give a disclaimer really quickly? Because Marcus is the one who roasted these, and so it's like us. I don't feel bad being honest. Oh, okay. We can give a bad review because it's Marcus. <laughs> well, well, also, it's, it's not, not a brand, and yeah, we're not like right. you know these are samples that are that we can be critical of. I think because you we know, have to this be is what I would have to do, anyways. Yeah. Is this the first episode where instead of critiquing a brand, we're critiquing a process? Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. That's really true. interesting. 
Right. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. Eh, I'm not a fan of the flavor. Yeah, it's got a little sour. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But not like a sour, like a normal coffee sour. It's like Do a bad. Do you taste that? I don't like it. Yeah. All right. Um, there's not a lot of coffee flavor. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's, it is a light roast, a lighter roast, it looks like, based yeah. on the look of it in my cup. And maybe that. It's one minute after first crack. And so I like to do this after for sample roast because if you roast it too long, it just all starts to taste like roasted coffee. Right. So, excuse me. So this is going to taste like the origin, quote unquote, of the coffee. We're still going to preserve what's in the bean. Right. That's okay. What I like to yeah. Do. Not the best representation, but a good representation. But you can taste the acidity in this. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't think it's particularly great. It has a but weird, not, like, lingering aftertaste. It does have a little weird aftertaste, I want right? to say, like, straw or grass or mm-hmm. something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. All right, don't Kinda love... nutty. I don't love the methylene glycol or whatever it is. <laughs> adding compounds. <laughs> Did I just make meth by accident there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two, we have the one that smells good, the sugar cane process. Mm, yeah, let's see how this one goes. Fill me up in this fancy glass, little tiny glass I have, Marcus. We're, we're doing this with mostly shot glasses because that's what we have. It smells much more like coffee E. Definitely like a sweetness that I'm having trouble putting my finger on that's familiar. Ooh. Ooh. Like um, mm. molasses-y? Mm, yeah. I know what you mean. This one has almost like a little bit of a tea-like flavor to it to me too. It, it could is be because way little, sweeter. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was thinking like a sweet like... I know I've brought up rooibos tea in the past, like, oh, with the cascara. Mm-hmm. It almost has a little bit of a hint of that rooibos sweetness. It's crazy, though, to think that, like, as similar as they look in the cup, like, roast level, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is so not acidic. Yeah. Much sweeter. Very s- much smoother, too. Smoother. I still don't feel like it has, like, a really great, sh- like, coffee flavor, well, you know? But that's also, yeah, I think, maybe it's because it's the sample and it's right. not very dark. If it were roasted properly... I could see where this could be a really good coffee. Yeah, for sure. It's very pleasant. Yeah. It's a very pleasant flavor. This one I can easily drink with no additives. Yeah, I definitely prefer it over the first one. Okay. Yeah, I was really hoping like that we would all be surprised and be like, man, that M- that methylene chloride, <laughs> that shit was jamming. That was the best one. Sorry, Starbucks. I knew I shouldn't take coffee advice from you. It did have a like weird kind of acidic aftertaste. Yeah, that this one does not have. Yeah, see, Let's it's not it. just it's not just Swiss water marketing. I know. Let's no, try the next one. wait, was the Starbucks guy saying Swiss water isn't better than sugarcane, or was he specifically talking about the? He was specifically talking about methylene chloride okay. as being like the best. Okay, well, big surprise. Yeah, right. Starbucks is wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's try the next one. From the company with something called the pink drink. I don't need to take their advice on coffee. I've never tried the pink drink. That's what the kids always want. Every time we go, can I get a pink drink? This is why they love Starbucks, because they have drinks that are pink. And cake pops. Oh, yes. And cake pops. And now they have unicorn cake pop and possibly dog cake pops. This is not (laughs) sponsored by Starbucks, by the way. Those cake pops are good, though. I'm not a cake pop fan. No surprise. Mm. Steph doesn't like fun things. <laughs> I know. She just wants her like canned salmon and ginger snaps. 
There's this um, bakery in Naperville that we sell coffee to called Dieta's, and they um, have the most delicious treat that you can get there. It's like two giant oatmeal cookies, giant, like six inches in diameter, and then they have like a one-inch layer of buttercream oh, frosting God. in the middle. <laughs> So good. That sounds awful. But you cannot eat the whole thing at once because I'm pretty sure you'd have an immediate heart attack. <laughs> I like cut it up and have like little slices of it at a time. Oh. I've only so ever seen good. the little slices. I didn't know they were that big when they started. Eight huh. servings per wow. cookie. <laughs> it's so good. That's a really good bakery if you're in the area. Yeah. Um, so this one, to me, tastes the most like coffee. Mm, this one does taste the most like coffee. For you're right. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's interesting because I was expecting, based on the olfactory reveal, to like the Swiss water process. The like, I expected that to be my second choice based on olfactory reveal. Mm-hmm. I yeah, like the sweetness of the other one. I think maybe a little more mm-hmm. personally, but I, this one feels the most like untouched. Mm-hmm. It like tastes the most natural. I also was surprised because in my past experience, I feel like I've typically thought that the sugar cane coffees the EA coffees were like better coffee flavor yeah and easier to roast but like but this Swiss water is really good yeah like this Swiss water is really good but if you compare it like just on a sort of like side by side the the EA was definitely sweeter Mm -hmm. it was Um, and this is water like this is the only one that I want like another cup of yeah I agree that's a good that's the EA you got right there stuff Yeah, so I'm going to pull a little bit of our Patreon as a love it or a leave it. I'm definitely a leave it on the the methylene Thank you for listening chloride. to this podcast. Generously yeah. sponsored the Swiss by water Modest is my Coffee. Favorite. Purveyors of single second, origin coffee the without the snobbery. Acetate. Visit www.modest.coffee This was what to me just no like bad review. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. see what just they're like roasting regular. today. To go. Yeah. I was Enjoy. nervous that we weren't yeah. going to like the Swiss water and then I was going to feel bad because we've got this partnership with Swiss water. <laughs> and I was like, man, that's going to be awkward if I'm like, I don't like your coffee as much, buddies. Sorry. I know, I know. And I was, I was hoping for all of us to like be like, we all thought that the Swiss water would be, and then be like, man, fucking the chem- chemical one, one out, hands down. But <laughs> I was kind of hoping for some irony in this episode, right. but yeah. no, no surprises. No surprises. Yeah, the Swiss no. water's good. Yeah. You guys have been doing it right all along, it turns out. Good job. Da, 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 da. <laughs> we prefer to buy good coffees anyways. Yeah. It's kind of like our shtick. Yeah. <laughs> Your high quality shtick. Yeah. Yeah, I was like trying to explain to somebody the other day. Like well, not I was everybody at the gets farmers it. market yesterday in Naperville and um which by the way if you're listening, come on stop by, buy some coffee. Meet um, Marcus in person. Pound the flesh, baby. <laughs> um, and uh not at the market, Marcus. <laughs> I will pound the flesh anytime anywhere. Um, but I let me tell you, grimacing right now. It's all good. <sighs> we can talk later. But um, the <laughs> what is happening? The team more that we have right now. I, I brewed that, and I had a lady who was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't like artificial blueberry." It says right here on your flavor notes that oh. blueberry is added, <laughs> and I'm like, "No, it's not added. Right? It's like, it's really intentionally roasted light to keep those flavors intact." And um, and then you know, I made her try it, and. It's, I think the fruitiness really does come through. It's like a weird kind of juicy, fruity amalgamation of all those flavors. And um, and she just couldn't wrap her head around it. 
you know. Mm. So she when ended I, up buying a bag of the modest. I, tell, <laughs> <laughs> I just tell people it's like wine. Like everybody's familiar with wine tasting notes, especially if they've seen the movie Sideways. Yeah. The flavor yeah. notes can be weird. There are some weird ones. Yeah. I mean, blueberry is a little weird. Mm-hmm. I think so. But like marshmallow. Yeah. Graham cracker. Right. Yeah. But damn it, if you don't try it and you like, and maybe it's the power of suggestion or whatever, but like people try it and they're like, oh yeah, I do taste that, you know? And I like that. I like seeing people's eyes light up, faces light up when they do that. Aw. So. Yeah, I think it's just like a, it's like a reminds you of mm-hmm. sort of thing. It might not actually taste like graham crackers, but you're like, oh, something about this brings back like the memory of me eating a graham cracker. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I mean, like that's what all, all sort of flavor is, is like your brain, like trying to connect the dots and being mm-hmm. like, oh, this reminds me of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's all, that's what it's all about. Right. Yeah. So all is right. that our episode? I think so. Cool. This was really interesting. Yeah. Thanks, Marcus. Now we all know a little more about decaf. I knew nothing about decaf. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. Maybe some people want to drink a little decaf more often. Marcus says the true coffee drinker is the decaf drinker because they're drinking it for the coffee and not the caffeination. Yeah, Mm. for the flavor. For like the pure love of coffee. Right. That's That's the decaf drinker. Mm -hmm. I do. I really think that that's true. I'll stop shitting on the decaf drinkers. Mm-hmm. You make an excellent point. Right. <laughs> you know, they're doing it because they really love the taste of coffee, uh-huh. not because they're getting caffeinated. So That's nice. I might pick up a bag of decaf for some after-dinner dessert coffee drinking now. Yeah, I this mean, how, how much do you actually like coffee stuff? Give it to us. <laughs> I swear to God, I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here as a part of this episode. If you want to follow us on social media, we would love that. It's at No Bad Reviews Pod on the places. Um, send us an email at hello at nobadreviewspodcast.com. You can send us suggestions. You can send us a coffee story if you have one. Or you can just send us anything. Um, if you have something tangible you want to send us, just go ahead and Google Modest Coffee and send it there. For Patreon, we've got a peach bourbon coffee that we're going to try. In a K-cup. In a K-cup. Yeah. And then we also have a coffee beer to try. Another one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. So, yeah, that's what we got for you guys over I'm looking on forward to one of those. I'll let you guys guess. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to it's... join Patreon to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys uh, feel as strong as a Nazi after all that decaf? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs>